15 of the, yeah. Which one? The Farsi? It's a lot. A lot, yeah. No, like 50, 60. There's like 50, 60 there. But they, they translated like 15 of them to Arabic. to do something with this? It's not like it's not like it's not going to explode is it? <laughs> Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina Abil Qasim al-Mustafa Muhammad Okay, so we ended the chapter on Ghafla He then goes into the second chapter Which uh, is going to be a little shorter Which is about uh, He calls it Vasvasiya Ilmi which means uh, the <coughs> mistakes people can make when it comes to knowledge. And so I'm going to summarize it in a few points. The, this part <coughs> kind of, uh, he goes in different directions. Did you know, by the way, this book isn't penned by him. This book is, uh, is usually he'll be speaking and then these will be transcribed and kind of organized into a book. Even... Tafsir of Tasneem right now it's not, He's not penning it He is teaching He's been teaching in the Masjid Al-Azam Of Qum for the past 30 years <coughs> Or maybe more Tafsir And so now they're putting it into a book format Yeah <coughs> So yeah I'm going to summarize it It's not too long And then we'll move to the third chapter So this second chapter he talks about uh, the problems that come up when it comes to knowledge And when he talks about knowledge He's talking about knowledge of the deen The knowledge of the deen can cause problems Oh really, how? Well, he says first of all Shaitan tries his best not to allow us to learn about the deen Right? And I've said this before as well I mean in this day and age that we live in And in this era that we live in It's too easy for shaitan There are enough distractions Enough distractions to keep us from the guy will be one of my friends in another state. Whenever I'm staying with him, he's either working, making a halal living, alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. for him and his wife, or he's playing video games. <laughs> one of these two. Right? And so he tells me, and I love him to death, he tells me, Shaykh, you say the wajib and haram. I said, yeah, I mean, I have nothing to say to you. You're doing everything you need to for your family. <coughs> Just think about it a little bit. You're 30 and you're playing video games for hours in a day. So just think about that though, but I have nothing to say, I can't stop you from that. So the first thing that 
I'm, I'm not giving using him as an example for this, but all in all, I'm saying the distractions are enough for shaitan uh, to use so that we do not learn about the deen. Yes, so that's the first one. But Ayatollah Jawadi doesn't spend too much time on this one. He says it and he moves on. He goes to the second and third one. He says, no, but then sometimes we have knowledge of the deen. We've gained knowledge of the deen. The problem is that uh, we have different uh, faculties within us. We have the faculty of the aql, and then, or the quwa aqila, it's called that uh, the faculty of the, the mind and intellectual ration or, uh, and rationale. But, or we have something else called quwa mutakhayyila, which means that uh, imaginary, uh, fact, the, the faculty of imagination. And he says, Shaitan uses this against us. I have now acquired certain knowledge. Yes, of, of, of the deen, of Allah. But the problem is that shaitan comes and he uses or misuses that quwa mutakhayyila that we have in us. And he moves things around. <coughs> As a result, based on the knowledge that I have, I have my own ra'i, my own, my own uh, opinion. And I will act upon it and I think it's the right thing to do. But... As a matter of fact, it is not the right thing to do. It's totally wrong. So I, I, had, I had gained this knowledge to preserve me, to protect me. But yet, shaitan messed around. Now, that is not, this is not necessarily a person who hasn't even studied Islam properly. Even in Mujtahid sometimes, he says, they might go through this. And he doesn't talk about how this is avoidable. It just seems that a person has to lead a light, life of righteousness so that the mistakes they make come to down to a minimum. And the best way to do that is to live according to the teachings of Ahlul Bayt. I'll give you an example, okay? Philosophy is a discipline that has nothing to do with any faith. If you're a philosopher, it doesn't mean you're a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian or anything. You're a philosopher. Philosophy says, I will only look at what my mind understands, right? <coughs> and it'll go step for step. And step by step, starting from the most axiomatic, self-evident propositions all the way to some of the most complex and complicated ones. But philosophy says the only thing I will use to gain cognition of anything and, and knowledge of anything is the sheer philosophical slash mathematical mind. Okay? Alright. <clears throat> There's a person by the name of, he's big, Kashiful uh, Ghita. He was, he's great. He's one of the greatest of hundreds of a couple hundred years ago, or maybe more than that even. Uh, and he was a faqih, yeah, a jurist, Najaf, or maybe, I don't know, from Najaf, I think. And so, yeah, and his whole clan, his whole descendants and everyone from his, uh, that are of his lineage, they're, they're from Najaf as well. And so, <clears throat> he was visiting Isfahan back in the day once. Okay? I wanna I want to show you how to stay away from that error, sticking to the teachings of Ahl bayt can help you. So he goes to Isfahan. Back then, Isfahan was the capital of philosophy. Yes? Uh, and uh, the, it was also the capital of, I think, the Persian Empire back then, or the Safavid Empire back then. Okay? So the Safavid, that's where they were ruling from, the Isfahan. And you've seen, those of you who've been to Iran, you've seen the beautiful uh, buildings and architecture there. That's from the Safavid's times. Imam Riza's dome, 
if you read the Arabic around it, it's not just about Imam Riza. Who else is it about? The king of that time. Yes? Uh, the Safavid king who helped build that place. And he walked to Mashhad. Alright, anyway, that's uh, the Safavids is a different story. But they were very well known that that time is known for, is, as a time of philosophical endeavor. And so, <coughs> Kashif al-Ghita is not a philosopher in that sense. Kashif al-Ghita is a faqih. Meaning what? Meaning he doesn't just rely on his mind or philosophy. I'm not saying it's wrong. For ma'rifah, he, 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 he's mostly engulfed in the teachings of Ahl Bayt and the Hadiths. Anyway, he goes to Isfahan and these philosophers want to kind of put him on the spot. They want to prove something to him. They start asking him philosophical questions. Okay, so he probably can't answer, right? But he is able to answer them properly. And so these people are kind of surprised. They're like, how is it? You're not a philosopher, you're a faqih. How is it that you are getting these answers right? You're not a philosopher. His answer is, my engagement with teachings of Ahlul Bayt has given me a sense of reality. Yeah. So this is the point I'm trying to make. He doesn't talk about it here, that how, how, it, how one can avoid this and making these errors. What's for sure is, is if you have some of those teachings and you live up to them, yes, this will be this will be a way of preserving yourself. And Allah helps, of course. Versus a person that, no, listens to their nafs more. And then they're going to make these errors more as well. And these mistakes, they're going to have a lot more. So anyway, that's number two. So one, he tries to not even let you get close to learning about the deen, about Islam, about Allah. And then when you do go, then he starts messing around like this. And using that against you. Some people really fail when it comes to this because when they hear, when they learn two things, they think that they can actually come up with verdicts now regarding Islam, the do's and don'ts and all that stuff. Some know it gets a little more subtle and it's harder for them to identify exactly, but they try their best. And of course, as I said, they, have, they do a lot of dua and ask Allah for help. And in the end, even when they do give a verdict, what do they write in the end of the verdict? Wallahu al-alim or Wallahu a'lam. Allah knows better. Yeah? And they won't even write Wallahu a'lam. Allah knows more. Because what does that imply? That I know and Allah knows more. No, Wallahu al-alam means Allah is the one who knows. I don't know anything. Yeah? All of these little things, right, are showing what's going on within them, in their mind. That yeah, I really don't know anything. I'm trying my best, but it's all Him. I'm, oh Allah, help us. Help us from mistakes. Now, that's number two. Number three, though, is a bigger problem. He says, sometimes you even get it right. Yeah? And shaitan might be upset, but he might even be happier now because you got it right. So now what he's going to do is with ta'aleem, tadris, tadween, sitting here, mizan, you know, I'm sitting here teaching now, you know, he get, uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but let's just assume that what I'm teaching is right. What comes out of it is a gurur, he says. This gurur, this me, this Ego that is really is uh, fattened up when it, with it, when it comes to these things. You know, when we're kids growing up, we're like, oh, who cares? Teacher? Who cares about the teacher? Right? Teachers are boring. Teachers are, some of them, are boring. We don't like them. Who cares? What's so, what's so cool about teaching? But when you're in the hosa, brothers and sisters, I've said this to some of you, you know, being the nerd is everything. Like, the nerdiest ones, I still remember it. They were the, they were the cool ones in hosa. Everyone wanted to be with them. Because he knows more. <coughs> He's the smarter one in class. The teachers, everyone would talk about, oh, this teacher, every, yeah, this. If you get this teacher, oh my God. Like, so you were there from year one thinking, okay, when I get to year five, inshallah, that's that teacher, 
that everyone's talking about is still there. Okay, these things, that it fattens up the ego. Really it does. And so this is where shaitan really takes your face and rubs it in the ground. The fact that now I have this, this understanding, this ilm, and so, but this is activated. Then all the person, this a sign of this egotism, when it comes to these matters, is that sometimes this person sees that they are wrong about something, but all that matters to them is to make sure they shut up their opposition. Yeah, that's all that matters to them. This is one side of it. The other side, some of these ulama, <coughs> their stories, man, they're off the hook about how this person would get into a discussion with another alim, two alims discussing. What happens is that this alim, after the discussion, he, he apparently won the discussion. Some of you might have heard these stories. He goes home, thinks about that matter more, right? He's like, whoa, wait, I missed something here. Maybe through my wording, I was able to <coughs> convince and quiet the other person and shut them up. But it turns out that I was actually wrong. There are stories of these ulama at night going back to that alim's house, <laughs> knocking on their door and telling them, hey, you were right, I missed this part, nafiz. Now this is different than what we learn here in this the culture here. I'll give you a good example of that. When I, was, uh, when I had gone to Qom, so I was still the American type of person that I was, right? So I'm in Qom, we have this thing called mubahatha every day, which means you discuss after the lesson, you discuss with one or two others that are in your class. Um, this, the, the lesson that was taught. Everyone goes home, goes to their rooms or dorms or the library. They review the, list, the lesson in a way that they want to teach it now to somebody as if that hasn't heard the lesson yet. So everyone comes prepared to teach that lesson. And then so th what the job of the rest to do is that they have to challenge you and try to point out how which part you got wrong, which part you didn't understand. So they'll give you a hard time. So you know what would happen? <laughs> Sometimes, because my friend was smarter than me, a little bit. He was, uh, his mom had him, his mom was about to have him here, but she had him in Iran actually. So he had never been here. Uh, he's a very smart guy, mashallah. We're still friends till today. And he's the one who really helped me in all these years. He knew a little bit of English. So he helped me when I had gone. So he's Iranian. He's a smart guy, he was very smart. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, on the side, his parents had told him, if you want to go to Hoza, you have to get like a GPA of I don't know what. And from one of the hardest high schools, that in Iran high schools are hard, they're not like here. <coughs> and he had gotten that. And one of the, in one of the, the this is called the Tiz Hushan, it's called. Tiz Hushan means the ones who are really geniuses. A high school for geniuses, this guy had to get like a, out of 20, like a 19.9, right? And so he had done that, to be able to go to Hoza. Anyway, this friend of mine, Whenever he would, and till today, he still gets on my nerves when he points out my mistakes. And so what would happen was in this circle of Mubahasa, me being the American I was, when I couldn't defeat him in the discussion, I was a little stronger than him, so I'd start punching the poor guy. <laughs> this is when we were young, like 17 years old. I don't know any better. We're just... Ulama, back in the day, this is how they would do it. If they reach a point where this is haq, and I was wrong, he goes and admits it to that person. This is one of those signs. Another sign of that it's not about me, it's not about the ego and all of that, is that uh, when they come to us and they ask you questions about deen, about God, about whatever it is, and if they don't know, what's the answer they give? They say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah? 
See, <clears throat> this is not something that happens today. Mashallah, right now today, it's the exact opposite. That's why it's like such a toxic time to live in. That the ones who don't know are the ones who claim that they do know. The ones who do know, usually they're saying, I don't know. Yeah? Because of their humility or whatever it is. And I've said this again uh, to some of you, might have heard it before. Ayatollah Ibrahim Amini, he has some books that have been translated to English too. That he says, and this is a very famous story, he says, I had once invited uh, Imam Khomeini and Allama Tabatabai to my place. <laughs> wow. So he's a student of these two, Ayatollah Amini. And he's gotten very old, he's still alive. He says, I invited them over and I... I don't know if he wanted to test them or he just it just so happened that he asked a question. An ilmi question. And so Imam Khomeini, of course they probably know the answer or they have an opinion on it. What happened though? When he asked this question, they were both silent. Because Ayatullah Amini, which was young back then, he didn't ask one of the two like, what's your opinion on this? So he didn't ask me, so I'm quiet. Or he didn't say, Imam Khomeini, what's your opinion on this? He was quiet. And this is before the revolution, probably. Quiet. They were quiet because he didn't ask any of them in particular. This is the sign of a person who's gone through all these stages, doesn't care about these things. When I say, who cares? Remember, I use this line a lot. It's not that I'm saying that we shouldn't care about those around us. We shouldn't care about Islam, spreading Islam, Amr al-Ma'roof, these kinds of things, not worrying about the... Uh, Affairs of the Muslims. When I say who cares, I mean it in this sense. I mean it. In, I mean it in the sense of when Ayatullah Amini sits down, and Imam Khomeini asks a question, but doesn't direct it to any of them in particular. They're both quiet because who cares if I say the answer or not in the presence of this other alim? Who cares? Like, what's, what am I going to get out of it? There's no point. As a matter of fact, I'm just fattening my ego up more, maybe. So I'm going to keep quiet. These are people that we're supposed to follow. These are the role models. <clears throat> So that's a, a, a chapter, this chapter on vasvasi ilmi, he calls it. This ilmi vasvasa, these ilmi problems that might come up. Knowledge can sometimes be a problem. Now he doesn't get into other things regarding this. There are deeper things to discuss about knowledge. That even knowledge that is true sometimes is a barrier because it's not representational of the exact truth. When I say Allah is Sami', Allah is Basir, Allah is this, because the Qur'an taught me, my understanding of Sami' and Basir is wrong. Because I'm, I'm a limited uh, entity myself, and I don't understand what that means really when it comes to Allah. And so he doesn't get into any of that as, at all. These are called hujub and nur These are the hijabs that are hijabs of nur not hijabs of dhulmah and, and darkness. These are concepts that sometimes we have and we think these are reflective of all the truth. But as a matter of fact, no, they're not a good representation of the truth. But that's a little deeper, he doesn't get into it. Okay, let's move on. Any questions on that before I move on? Here? He doesn't. He doesn't get into that. He just reminds us. He's just reminding us that, look, knowledge is not everything. So don't think if you have knowledge, you're good to go now. If you have knowledge, there are these threats still out there. And shaitan is still lurking, he's going to use that. Anything other than Allah is batil. And we're going to get to that in this next chapter. So knowledge even, don't think that that's it. No, no, knowledge isn't going to get you anything or anywhere. Why is it 
that a person by the name of uh, what was his name? Kazem Karbalai, his name was, right? Huh? Huh? Kazem Karbalai is a village man, illiterate. Why is it that he, all of a sudden, through good deeds, he can read Quran, he can, <laughs> he can identify. When you put Arabic in front of him, part of it is Quran, part of it is not. He can identify which part is Quran, which part is not. Does this guy go to school? No, he was illiterate. This is what he's trying to say here: is that look, don't think, don't don't let this be one of those things that deters you from that this spiritual wayfaring. Sometimes I'm not ghafil anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm an alim, not just not ghafil and dhakir. I'm alim too. Doesn't matter. Alim doesn't mean wearing amama. Alim means any of you. Any of you who have some deen, uh, knowledge of the deen, this is what you have to be careful about. Sometimes for Allah even, you know the answer to something, unless it's going to help somebody of course. But no, sometimes you know someone else can also get the answer right. For Allah you keep your mouth shut. That's how they were. That's how these people are. I was in the presence of Ayatollah Hassan Zadda Amuli for I don't know how long. We went to his house once. Me, my mother and my brothers. Yeah, we were there. Allama Hassan Zada Amuli. No joke. Now how we got in there is another story, okay? We had connections. Some of my friends are important people. So they got us in there. And my mom was very is very fond of Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli. The whole time this guy was joking about stuff. You, you were like waiting, hey, uh, could you give us some of that Irfani stuff, you know, you got stashed back in somewhere in your head? Nothing! If someone didn't know this person, they think that this is one of those people who's a fake, probably. And he's just wearing the garb, and he walks around and just jokes and stuff. For him, doesn't matter what the people think of me too much. Yeah, if you have a question and I can help you, I might answer it. We didn't have any questions, we were just in awe looking at him the whole time. Yeah. In the end, he brought some apples from the tree in the backyard that they had. He did some dua on it and gave it to my mom. And it was, it was very nice, it was very nice. But the point I'm trying to make is this, that uh, this knowledge, they laugh at it, you know. They have all of it, but they laugh at it at the same time. That's what the struggle is all about, I think, to come to that realization. So yeah, he's just, he's just, uh, he's just warning us that there is this threat. What are you going to do about it? As I said, if you continue to practice, slowly, slowly these things you'll understand. As we get older, we'll understand they're not very important. The fact that we're teaching this book right now, who cares, you know? So what? If I'm not going to act upon it, so what? Who cares if I can teach it or whatever? Anyway, chapter 3 <clears throat> is, a little more, is a little more relevant to a person like me, and that is, he calls it Pindar Garai. Pindar, do you have Pindar? Like a thought, a, thought, a conception, a misconception actually, illusion, right? So a person who uh, has illusions and follows illusions is delusional, right? Yeah, so you have this word, right? Pindar? You don't? Something tells me you should. Pindar? No? Okay. All right, so... Pindar. Urdu, yeah, in Urdu. Like, which means to like to have an understanding of something or a conception of something. Okay, all right. So, having false thoughts, a false uh, con con conception of things, misconception of things, illusion. A person who lives a life of illusion, and so he says he starts off like this. He says that 
the arif versus the ghafil is a person who the arif is a person who has reached this understanding that i am in the presence of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one and that two everything around me is a manifestation of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala versus the ghafil the ghafil is the exact opposite does always sees himself absent that allah is absent okay allah is not here right now alhamdulillah allah is not here and Everything in existence exists on its own, as an independent in its existence. This chair, this room, this person, they are all. Allah exists, this person exists. Allah exists, this table exists. Right? While the first one was what? The Araf says, no, no, no. The existence of this is an extension of Allah's existence, is a manifestation of Allah's existence. That's the result of a person who's got it right versus a person who's got it wrong. What leads to all of this is all these little illusions that we have in this life that Allah brought us here to break out of one after another. So he goes through, since this is a thematic tafsir, uh, thematic tafsir book, he starts going through these verses now, one after another, of the different illusions that a person has in this life that they have to overcome if they want to make it in that spiritual wayfaring, in that path of trying to get to the destination of Allah. Once again, he won't give you the way to do it. Because as I've said again and again, the way for all of these is almost the same. He's just making us aware that this problem is there. Or else the way to get rid of all of this is to continue the taqwa of Allah and to continue the wajib and haram observance of it of Allah. And if I see that I am doing this on a regular daily basis, adding certain mustahabbat as well, and just being aware of these things, and slowly things will click into place. I say this because I've seen it happen firsthand. And that's all some people do. And if there was anything else, they would tell us, why isn't he telling us? Okay, so this is the way to get rid of this. Because he knows that the way is one. Our problem is for every weed, we try to find a way to pluck that weed out separately from the other weeds. Every weed that we have within us. But we have to just cut off the water source of all these weeds. The water source of the, all the weeds within us is weakness of our iman. And the iman is weak because we are disobeying Allah. A person who makes, a point, makes it a point in their life to obey Allah to the point that they're not sinning anymore, <clears throat> this person's iman is going to be strong. When the iman is strong, all the other stuff goes away on its own. I'm saying this because I've heard it from the Greeks. I'm not saying it because of my own understanding. Okay? Versus going and reading a 500-page book on how to get rid of hasad, how to get rid of this, how to get rid of that. Is that what life is all about? Is life is all about going and reading 500 pages of how to get rid of every single little thing in it, within us? No. It's much more simple than that. Islam... And, it's, and, and a spiritual wayfaring is for that Bedouin that's in the desert who doesn't know anything either. I just gave you the example of Karbala Kazim. The guy doesn't know anything when it comes to the stuff that we know. But he just lives up to the two things that he does know. Allah gives him a ma'rifah that he doesn't give anybody else. Because he did it with, a tr- with an honest heart. He's not fooling himself. He's not trying to fool anybody else. Alright. What are these illusions? Number one, he says, sometimes... The Quran talks about this ghafil individual. It says, Alam ya'lam bi yara. One of the illusions that these people have is that they think that Allah is not watching. Or ayahsabu alam yarahu ahad. 
does this person think that no one is seeing him when he's sitting, when he's disobeying Allah? That's one. Two. Sometimes it talks about how people have fooled themselves into thinking that Allah is not with them when they're amongst themselves in these gatherings that they have, these late nighters that they have. Am yahsabuna anna la nasma'u sirrahum Do these people think, are they in this illusion that we don't hear their secrets and the intimate whispers that they have with each other when they're speaking to each other? I'm there. There's another verse in the Quran, what is it? There is no two people that are whispering to each other except that Allah is the third one listening. This illusion is also there for some people. <clears throat> Allah might be seeing, but He doesn't know what we're talking about. No, no, no. Sometimes Allah is watching, Allah knows everything that we're doing. But the problem is that Allah doesn't have the power to overcome us and overpower us. <clears throat> Even with uh, Prophet Yunus, the same verb is used that uh, Prophet Yunus, when he got angry at his people and he left them, although it was time to leave them, he had tried 99 times to bring them to the straight path, Allah wanted him to try a hundred times. <laughs> so 99 times he tried. And he knew that if he does it a hundredth time, they're still not going to come. But he left at the 99th time. I'm just using 99 as an, as an example. And so it says, he went. He was angry and he left. You people aren't worth it. And so, He thought that we're not gonna, we can't overpower him. <laughs> Or here, naqdira alayh doesn't mean overpower, they say it means to have a decree regarding him. Yeah, from qaza and qadar, not qudrat. But anyway, what happened to him? He got swallowed. <laughs> yeah. So now here, these people, ayahsabu ahad. This person does whatever they want. Yaqulu ahlaktu lubada. This person does everything that they want. They think a day is not going to come that Allah is not going to overpower them. These are illusions. Once again, he won't go very deep, Ayatollah Jawadi. He could go very deep. Allah takes it from here, it goes deeper. That's for part two of the Barzakh course, inshallah. Ten years from now we'll have it. That's the illusion some people have. It says sometimes the Quran says, Sometimes, no, Allah has all the power. We have come to this realization that Allah has all the power in the world. He can overpower us, let alone hear us and know what we're doing and all of that. But we have this illusion that He's not going to resurrect us. And so the Qur'an says, Ayahsabu. If you notice, all of these verses are starting, they're from different surahs by the way. They're all starting with, Ayahsabu. Does He think? Is He under this impression? Is mankind under this, in this illusion that, But I'm Muslim. If you ask me, of course I'm going to say there's a day of resurrection. It's not about that. Have I believed? Or am I living in an illusion? That's the whole thing. That's the whole point right there. Sometimes you even know it's going to happen, but in practice, you're living your life a different way. The way you're living your life is that Allah is not going to be able to resurrect your bones. We're not going to gather His bones. Bala, as a matter of fact, we are. Qadirina. We are able to. We can bring together your fingertips. Which some people say it's a... 
this verse is super awesome because it is acknowledging that the, the one thing, one part of you that is not, is unique to you, that would be the hardest to resurrect, is your fingerprint or something. So they say this verse is one of those scientific verses. Some might accept that, some might not, but the point is that, look, the smallest part of you, Allah, is going to be able to resurrect. This illusion. Now, to get rid of these illusions, as I said, slowly we realize the truth because Allah shines it in our hearts. But one thing that pushes us in that direction is to have a continuous relationship with the Qur'an because the Qur'an keeps reminding, keeps reminding, keeps reminding. These verses are telling us. Sometimes the greatest of the greatest will slowly wander off. It's just how the dunya is. That's the essence of the dunya. It is dark and it will slowly taint you. You have to polish it again and again. Salat five times a day. Why? They asked the, 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 they asked the ma'asum, why five times a day? You all know the answer. What was the answer? It's like taking a shower, dipping into water five times. These hearts need to be polished. Five times salat. If I pay attention to my salat five times a day, that's a lot of remindering and remembrance for me. These verses are also reminders, or else it's just part of us that we wander off. It's fine. All right. So sometimes the illusion of Sometimes we just feel like God can't catch up to us. Do I have to give the addresses for these or no? Um, I'm just skipping the addresses for these. Anyway, this is uh, Surah An-Kabut, verse 4. Um, it says, they think, do they think, are they in this illusion that we can't catch up to them? This is similar to the one that says, Sometimes we think that, it says the illusion is that we think that our wealth is what gives us eternity, brings us eternity. That your mal, that your belongings are what gives you eternity. Once again, that's one of those things that if you look at yourself, you feel like, oh, the amount of importance I'm giving it shows that in practice, deep down inside, I have a feeling that, yeah, this is what it's all about. Or else I would be really losing sleep over something else, not this. So speaking of eternity, this next one, forget about the wealth giving me eternity. Sometimes we're in this illusion and this is the worst of them all. وَمَا جَعَلْنَا لِبَشَرٍ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ الْخُلْدِ أَفَإِنْ الْخَالِدُونَ That, O oh Prophet, we didn't give anybody before you eternity in this life. Yes? And that's the illusion that a lot of us are struggling with. That we are going to be here forever. And the way we work for this dunya is as if we're going to be here forever. These are all illusions. All of these illusions are obstacles to that wayfaring that we're after. What's the address of this one? Uh, this one is Surah Anbiya 34. And so, he says here, it doesn't make sense to be in this life for eternity. Sometimes you have an illusion, but the illusion that you have at least is for something good. He says, it doesn't even make sense to be in this life for eternity because this life is a journey. The Qur'an says, you are journeying laboriously towards your Lord. So it's a journey. Take provision. Well, who takes provision? A person who's on a trip, who's going on a trip. 
the best provision is taqwa. These, all, these verses show that we're on a journey. He says it's, not, it's pointless for a journey to be endless. It's abath. It's in vain for a journey to be endless. So we have an, we have, this is one of those things that we should not have an illusion in. Yeah, when it comes to the life here, we should not think that we're supposed to be eternal. We should not even look forward to being eternal here. Because eternity here means you're on a journey forever. A journey without a destination is pointless. And yet, that's, the, that's, 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 what, that's exactly what our actions are, are translating to. I'm here forever. Now for a person like you and I who doesn't have too much going on in our lives, you know, we don't have to worry about this too much, but there are some people who really have to worry about this because the way they're working for this dunya, and then shaitan comes in, and then he messes with you more. And it reaches a point where you're like, okay, I am innovating and I am coming up with so many good things for people in this world that are going to come after me, are going to benefit from it. Well, good for you. But that's, they're, they're going to benefit from it, not you. You spent your entire life, entire life, making some inventions. That's great. If you did it for Allah, that's a different story. That's true. No one wants to uh, deny that. A person who does things for people because Allah said so, that's a different story. And wants to serve humanity, that's a different story. But a person who's doing it, and the only thing they're getting out of it is this, that I, what I'm doing, people who come after me, what are they going to? They're going to benefit from this. We didn't have it in our time, they're going to benefit from it. So what? Alamatawatawai talks about this. There's a book called Shia. That's all it's called. And so in that book, which is his, the, the discussions he had with a person by the name of Henry Corbin, who was a, I think, f maybe French philosopher, or I don't know what he was exactly. But he used to come a lot to Iran, back before the revolution. And he would visit Alamatawatawai and ask about Shiism, Sufism, Mahdaviyya, these things. And so those discussions have been transcribed now into this book called Shia. I don't know if it was in that book or another book. I think it was in another book. That Allah Ta'ala points this out, that there are some people who go and fight for their land and their country. But if you think about it, it's pointless. Unless you bring God and Islam into the equation, you died so other people can live after you. So what? Unless you're doing it because Islam said or God said. Now there are some people that he, he, he says this, like he says this explicitly, he says this is an illusion itself. The fact that they make this an, a value for you, that I am dying for a land, for my land. So what for your land? What's your land going to do for you after you die? Nothing. If you're dying for your land so that you defend your land for Allah, that's a different story, that's shahada, it's the highest you can go. But look, the same thing is happening to somebody else, they don't get anything out of it because of the illusion. And so, uh, to, 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 to sum it all up into one verse, he, he points this out, Allah Jawadi. He says, if you want to sum it all up in one verse, it's, وَأَفْئِدَتُهُمْ هَوَاءَ Verse 43 of Surah Ibrahim. These people's hearts, هَوَاءَ They are empty. Because if you add falsehood up, and accumulate so much falsehood, is there any truth to it? No, that means there's no substance. All you have is a crust. Yeah. How many zeros can I put together to fill something up? Well, what's the right way of saying that? Not fill something up, but for there to be a value on the paper that I'm writing on. Right? A numeric value. Nothing. If you put a million zeros next to each other, is one greater or zero of those million zeros? Is still? The, 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 the one is higher. Yes, the one is higher than, than the millions of zeros you put next to each other. 
Same thing here. Their hearts, it's a container. So heart is a container, there's a crust to it. Af'idatuhum hawa. Why? Because this heart is full of what? Zeros. Illusion is what? Illusion means you thought there was something there, but you went there, there was nothing. Nothing is zero. Af'idatuhum <laughs> hawa. Their hearts are full of zero. They have, they look around themselves and they say, okay, this is one, two, three, four, five, six, twelve. They put together a million zeros in their heart. When you pick up that heart, it's empty still. Why? Because zero is empty. Zero is an illusion. Zero is batil and falsehood. You can't fill anything up with falsehood. <clears throat> so then the, he says, whose fault is this? <laughs> Why does Allah do this to us? And I'll end with this. Why does Allah do this to us? Answer, He didn't do it to us. Allah did everything He needed to do. Allah Allah put in us the basics that we need of good and bad and understanding them. So He didn't push us towards bad or anything, like give us the wrong information. Everything He gave us was haq that we started with, and we were through, we were supposed to, through using the little bit that He's given us, slowly build on that and add more haq, not zeros. Yeah, not empty calories. <laughs> Number one. And then he left the door of tawbah open as well. And he says, if you do make mistakes, fix it. I will, I will just the same way, he uses this example, Ayatollah Jawad. He says, the same way, sharab, wine, that is najis and haram to consume. He says, when it turns into vinegar, what is it? Halal and pak, he says. Yeah? And by the way, that is a ruling. Yeah, Some people think that's wrong. Oh, a vinegar, some of it is made from wine, so it's haram. No, no, that's exactly the example of one of the ways of taharat being accomplished is for something to turn into something else. The, the first example of fuqaha I give you is wine to vinegar. <clears throat> some of these people that are religious, they, they joke around. Well, they'll have some balsamic vinegar and then they'll say, this is the closest we're going to get to wine, you know? But it still stings them and it's azab when they, eat it, when they drink it on its own. Anyway, so... He says the same way that this sharab can turn into that, the Qur'an says, Allah sayyatihim hasanat. What more could you ask? It's not even tawbah, it's Allah says, I will change your bad deeds to good deeds. So He gave us the theory, and in practice also He has our backs. And so from here on, we're supposed to add ones, not zeros. So if we're adding zeros, that's our fault. These illusions are there, why? Because of our distance from either the first one or the second one. Either from learning more and adding more to whatever we have, or, what is it? Not following it and changing, if we have anything bad in us, to change it to good. What he's after is for us to do good. That's what he's after. And the results will be wonderful. These illusions slowly, slowly will be wiped away. You guys, the younger ones who are like in their 20s, you reach 40, because we have hadiths on this age of 40. You actually think like, oh, death is kind of real. You start getting more and more accustomed to this reality of, oh, it is real. And maybe I should work for it more. Versus a person who uh, is in their 50s or 60s now and still doesn't know this reality. Why? Because they're just uh, doing whatever they want to do. Alright. And so finally, I'll leave the rest for later inshallah. Because I don't want to go over our time too much. Next week we don't have a session. Uh, I'll be out of town. The week after there's probably uh, something going on. Maybe. It's the 31st, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what happens on the 31st usually. <laughs> it's the New Year's or something. Yeah, so... 31st should be okay. 
Yeah, it, it won't be okay because not people people won't show up. So we'll leave it for January, inshallah. Just wait for the flyer to come out, um, and slowly we're gonna work on a WhatsApp group as well. But not it's not gonna. I don't want to put a link out there for everybody. Um, no, the people who are attendees, so that they know when things are happening, when things might be canceled, and so on. Yeah, definitely. If we cancel, we'll let you know for sure. I mean, we'll we'll try our best to let everybody know. Yeah, but usually we don't cancel. We usually don't cancel, inshallah. If we set a date, we won't cancel it. So just wait for that. Um, Any questions before I end? Is there an online link for this, these sessions? Because I'm, I'm moving to New York, so I'm going to... I don't want to miss these classes. You have to listen to the Mulanas in New York. <laughs> 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 no, so, no, inshallah, when the time comes, we'll put these... Uh, you see all of this. Inshallah, we'll put these up on uh, the Mizan podcast. Inshallah ta'ala. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Salawat. Oh, so no, no.